Welcome to Sunday Chat with the Youngs, a monthly podcast dedicated to stories about Youngs Jersey there, family business ownership, tales of running a restaurant, and of course, ice cream. And now, here are your hosts, Dan Young, Kelly Young, and John Young. Good morning. Welcome to Sunday Chat with the Youngs. As always, I have my chief ice cream dipper slash dad, Dan Young. Good morning. We're missing our chief linguist officer slash top three Golden Jersey and waitress, Kelly Young, under the weather. I thought it was top two. Well, top three. I was going to be generous. Okay. All right. Yeah. She, she's, she's down this here. two episodes of eight, so maybe, she, maybe she's on the out left. If she misses one more episode, she's out of the intro. Okay. Fair enough. All right. All right. So we got uh, Michael LaMarca, pizza, pizza extraordinaire maker. Uh, from uh, Northeast Ohio, Master Pizza is his, is his business. He's also on the board of the ORA. Michael, thank you for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. Good morning. Good morning. So we've got lots of pizza questions. You didn't bring any pizza, I see. So we're already already starting off at a negative. <laughs> no. I don't know if you get this, but anytime we go anywhere, I'm sure Dan would agree with this, it's where's the ice cream? Yes. Yeah, literally, I, I left here Friday to go to a meeting with one of my clients, and that was the first thing. I was wearing my young shirt, in fairness, but that was the first thing they mentioned when I walked in. Didn't bring any ice cream? They look at you like this, like, where is it at? Yeah, where yeah. is it? Is where it is still it? in the car? <laughs> yes. It's pretty yeah. warm out. You might Do you wanna, need help with that, bringing you, it in? You might want to bring it in. All right, again, Michael, thank you for joining us. Um, let, let's start at the beginning. As Julie Andrews said, it's a very good place to start. Yes. There we go. Uh, so tell me how you got your start in the restaurant industry. Well, so when I was probably around five or six years old, I was too young to stay home, you know, when, in the summertime, and my mother would bring me to the pizza shop, and I would hang out there all day. I would uh, vacuum the dining room, set tables, roll silverware, you know, clean up the tables. I uh, brought dishes back. I would help out. I was a big helper, you know, five, six years old-ish, and I would um, do various tasks. I would roll, roll dough. You know, I would help in the back. I would go on deliveries with the delivery drivers. So... I got my first, uh, you know, taste of the business when I was really, really young. And I, you know, maybe it was a level of comfort. Maybe it was a level of familiarity. And it just was like, I think I could do this, you know. And then, then the one day I, uh, my mother would make me lunch, you know, working all day. And I would uh, have a pizza or pasta or whatever it was. And one day I got to make my own pizza. And it was... Uh, you know, turned out perfect. It turned out like exactly what they're making at the uh, at the store. So I'm like, wow, I'm you know, I I just made what they make every day, and it just it was like instant love. You know, I mean, love at first sight when it came out of the oven, and it was perfect. I was I was hooked. I was definitely hooked. You were good at it right away. I mean, that's well, arguably, but I thought I was <laughs> yeah. good at I mean, it. I guess, yeah. I guess, yeah, I guess when you're you're ten, any pizza is good pizza. So exactly. even if it wasn't sellable, it was good to you. Exactly. Yeah, and when you first started, I'm very sure that you had no idea that people got paid to do that. No you know, idea. This is just fun to do. <laughs> I right? just thought it's what you did. Uh, it sounds familiar, Michael. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I worked here on a farm a long time for uh, you know several years, not that many, but until one day I heard overheard my mom and dad talking about paying one of the farmhands. And I went, you get paid to do this? Yeah. I thought this was just fun. Listen, the, you get paid because you're under my roof. You're yeah, eating my yeah, food. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You got clothes yeah. on your back. You got yeah. paid. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just fun to do and something to do. And, and it was a great place to learn. It was. It sure. was. It was, um, you know, as, as a young boy, like, you know, getting my hands, you know, touching the dough and, and the product and making it, you know, it was like finding my way where I could, like, express myself and and and, mm. and become like you know you know artists use paint you know this was my canvas you know and i just felt immediately like wow I, I could get creative and people like it you know what i mean if i try these combinations someone's you know it just felt felt good when i made something and someone was enjoying it you know they're like wow this is good you know so it was immediately like addicted you know like well what else can i do and we talk about that often with, you know, dipping ice cream very much the same way. Like it's, it's, it has art to it. Like mm-hmm. you have to make it look good and present it. But the other good benefit, and I'm sure pizza is the same way, is you've never handed someone an ice cream sundae and they're in a bad mood because of that ice cream sundae. Exactly. And I think that's what is the, uh, the, the draw is, you know, people are satisfied with the task you're doing and they're happy 
to receive the product you're making. And I feel, you know, that that's, you know, I think like any, I don't want to call myself an artist, but anybody, anybody who expresses themselves through whatever media, musicians, painters, you know, sculptors, whatever, they, they enjoy when people enjoy what they pr- produced. And I feel that, you know, pizza is just my avenue, you know, just my lane, my little lane. I try to stay in it. I don't know many other culinary areas, but I know pizza, arguably. You are an <laughs> award-winning pizza maker. We'll get to that in a minute. Sure, yeah. Uh, so um, give me a, a, a just a gauge on a year, because I've got a follow-up question later. What, what year-ish did you start to like say, this is the time that I want to start making pizza? So I was in um, junior high school and, uh, you know, starting to want a car and starting to want, you know, starting to want to have money to go out and things like that. So, you know, I come from a family where you want something, you go earn it. So I, uh, I started, uh, I'm trying to think of what summer it was. I think it was like 1994, or 93. I, I think I was 14 years old, whatever year it was, I think 94. My dad got me a job bagging groceries early morning because I, I had uh, things throughout the day. So from 7 to noon, I bagged groceries in the morning. And I got home from work, and I was uh, you know, done with work, and everyone was just starting their day. So I already made my money for the day, you know, for the week or whatever. So I was starting to save money and earn, earn money and, and uh, uh, starting to put money away. And, and I think what year, probably that same year, I started helping out Friday nights in the pizza shop. And I'm like, you wanted to make some extra dough, Dan. Yeah, I did. Yes. (laughs) So I was doing both jobs and, and I'm like, wow, I'm making like a lot of money. And it just started like, you know, relative, obviously, like I started enjoying like the pizza way more than the grocery store. So I I focused all my attention on the pizza shop. So I kind of, I left the grocery business, if you will, at a young age. <laughs> Retired. <laughs> Retired from that industry. And and I put all my eggs in one basket. I was probably 15 years old, 14, 15 years old, when I really started seriously saying, I enjoy this job. I like it. I couldn't wait for Friday nights. I know other kids were going to football games mm-hmm. and going to uh, whatever, and I was getting geared up to you know slice pepperoni and and grade cheese and make pizzas it was a rush it was you know because we you know in a pizza industry friday night that's game time you know friday night five to nine you know four to nine it's it's just nuts and it's just fun because you're part of a team you're part of 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 a group of people trying to do one thing together trying to survive the rush and at the end of that rush you know you're you're kind of like on a on a high you know you're man, that was awesome. You know, great job, everyone. It was just, it was, it was, again, it was addicting and it was fun and you're part of something. And that's when I knew, like, I literally had no other job since. I just knew this is what I wanted to do. Good for you. Yeah, I had, you, now you're, <clears throat> now I'm getting a, a sense of your age. We're about the same age. I remember my, my birthday's in the fall. So the first day I was legally allowed to work because I definitely didn't do any side jobs or anything around yeah. the farm until my 14th birthday <laughs> was on a homecoming. It, I think it was either a Friday or a Saturday night. That was my my October twenty seventh was my birthday, and I worked on my birthday. Same thing, yeah. You know, because you know all the other high school kids were out, you know, at homecoming. I was like, well, I didn't have a date anyway. I'm not saying that I <laughs> had to put aside <laughs> a date to, yeah. to go make ice cream, but that's what we did. All right, so um, tell me the story about how you came involved with Master Pizza. So I've been in pizza. My mom worked at a restaurant where we lived, and uh, that's where I, all these stories are coming from. And I was in college to. Went to, she went to school to be a teacher. I stayed home. I went to Cleveland State University. I was in school to be a teacher. And um, on the east side of Cleveland, there's a, uh, on Mayfield Heights is the area, and there's a pizza shop called Master Pizza. And next door to it was my grandfather's barbershop, literally shared a wall. And we used to get our haircuts there and go next door to get pizza. And it was just something we did, you know, forever. We I knew the place, knew the, very familiar with the area. And, um, so we're, my dad retired, and he's like, how serious? We actually were on a plane going to Las Vegas for his retirement. Hmm. And my dad goes, how serious are you about wanting to be in the pizza industry? And uh, I'm like, extremely serious. Well, my uncle, who had the barbershop after my grandfather passed away, um, him and my dad bought the pizza shop and uh, July 1st, 2000. And um, I'm like, I'm very serious. Like, this is, this is all, that's all I know how to do because I was still working at that pizza shop 
uh, throughout high school and college at the same store. So I was uh, still at the same shop my, I grew up in, more or less. And then, um, you know, I'm like, Dad, this is what I want to do. This is, I, 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 I know I'm in school to be a teacher. I'm finishing up soon. I think I had a couple years left. And um, I said, uh, I'm, I'm serious. I want to do this. And he's like, okay. So when we got back, they did the deal, whatever, and our families bought the store. And July 1st, 2000, I started working. I don't think I stopped since. Just uh, it's different when you when you're when you're when you have it. It's yours, and it's different. You know, you don't mind staying those extra hours late and and redoing and cleaning up and doing all those things you do to set the store up. And it was uh, it was it was uh, you know, something I knew that had potential, something I had a vision of what I wanted to do and my dad and the family wanted to do. So we we did it, we did it. What what level of teacher were you going to school to be? Middle school, fourth through ninth, math and English. I also have an early ed license that, <laughs> I, that I don't use now, so yeah. that's funny. Um, so yeah, but, but my uh, Kathy yeah. and my wife Kathy and I visited that store, yeah. Mayfield Heights, there two and a half, two two and a half months ago, something like that. We were up in that area around Cleveland, at Ohio Cheese Guild meeting, and so we got up there the night before, so we could go visit it. It was very delicious pizza. Thank you. I didn't know. That was the number one. That was the first store. Yeah, the origin store. Yeah. Yeah. Did but you I, get your haircut next door while you were there? No, I did not. Oh, well. <laughs> um, but yeah, I got the, what was it? The pepperoni. Passion. Passion, yeah. It's got the, the regular pepperoni and then the, the cup, cup and char. Cup and char pepperoni. I didn't really know what that meant, but we ordered it and it was great. Is that different and, than a pepperoni? Yeah. Well, so yeah, there's two types of pepperoni. Okay. One's a lay flat, like yeah. you see everywhere. And ours, when you there's a second pepperoni we have in our store. When you cook it, it cups up. Yeah, okay. And it kind of you know holds all that zero calorie grease. Oh, so that was yeah. zero <laughs> That's calorie. <true>. Yeah, <laughs> well, there is that part. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but it's it's uh it's it, it's crunchy. It's it's oh, yeah. everything good. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so t- let's talk about the style of there's there's regional pizza. Obviously, New York's got the flat, sure. you know, curl it up pizza. Detroit's got the like the pan style. What's what's Cleveland style? So, you know, it took me a while to realize we actually have our own regional style of pizza. I didn't realize it. It's just what we always call pizza. You know what I mean? Just something the, you know, Midwest just calls pizza until I really started getting involved in the industry on a larger scale. And I kind of realized, wow, you guys make it different than us, you know. And, you know, these guys, obviously, everyone knows New York and Chicago style pizzas, but it's all over. It's different everywhere. And it kind of makes sense because... You know, even in our Ohio region, there's areas that are, like, different from, um, you know, the Cleveland area. There's Briar Hill towards Youngstown. Youngstown has different style of hmm. pizzas. And it's where families came over from Italy. They settled in certain pockets, and that's the styles they, they're familiar with and, and with the products they had uh, with them. So Cleveland style for me, and there's a couple other pizza chains out in where we're from that kind of do the same thing. We all kind of just thought that's how you make it. Um, it's it's a in a pan, but you know a lot of the pans are straight up. Our pans are kind of like angled, like a pie pan almost. Hmm. So the crust goes all the way up to the top. Our dough is more of a breadier dough than a pizza dough, so it's different than New York style. It's a different flour, and you know it's thicker than New York, less thick than Chicago deep dish. Both you know our Chicago and Cleveland are both baked in a pan. Ours are crimped like a pie crust. Our sauce has, you know, it's heavily ingredients. There's a lot of ingredients in it. There's like oregano, basil, garlic, or a lot of other places just do kind of tomato-based um, sauces where there's not much else other than tomato. Um, our cheese, we use provolone. And when I started telling people we use provolone in our pizza, they looked at me like I had two heads on my shoulders. Like, <laughs> yeah. like what do you, why? Like, what, what do you mean why? It's what you do. And it's delicious. Exactly. <laughs> and it's, it's funny. And... Uh, it, it it was just a I, I didn't realize not everyone used provolone. Mm-hmm. I just thought that's what you put on pizza. So yeah, we put provolone and our sausage goes on raw on top, mm. um, and it's ingredients edge to edge. So we put ingredients all over the pizza, not just sporadic or or um, you know <laughs> less ingredient. We it's a heavy pizza. So you know when we um, started working again, started getting more involved nationally with things we were doing 
you saw those differences and they're they're as clear as day. So I started making our Cleveland style pizza out and about and uh, got some recognition for those pizzas and won some awards with them and started introducing, this is what we do here. And I I think it's, you know, um, uh, very, what's the word I'm looking for? It's very traditional and it's very, uh, um, very, um, I, I don't want to say unique to our area, but it's very familiar in our area. And um, if you travel out and about, you know, I don't want to compare it to like Pizza Hut Pan, but I think that's the only thing I could compare it to that is even somewhat comparable, that it's crunchy in the bottom, airy in the middle, and, and soft and, you know, uh, um, my mouth is watering now thinking about yeah. it. Yeah, I know, same here. <laughs> yeah. here so like, I was thinking it's, it's a two-hour drive. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's just a... It's really good. Uh, uh, I'm, I, so, okay, I, I, I guess I'll bring this up. I don't, no, know if I don't even know if I mentioned it. We were on, uh, so I get this call on, from Instagram. And this lady's like, hey, would you be interested in being on a TV show, a pizza cut cooking competition? I'm like, I didn't even ignore it. And it was funny. Like the next day, go, the, the lady responds. She goes, this is real. This is not fake. Yeah, funny. So I, I, I replied back. I said, sure, what is this about? She's like, we're looking for pizza makers to compete in this new tv show we're doing i'm like okay i'm like sure you know so i did this process this interview and and they wanted to put me on this show called like the champion series people who won awards and 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 um to go against other people who won awards but as they got more in the interview they were really intrigued by this cleveland style pizza because i started they're like what, what do you make i'm like well here's what i make and they're like we didn't even know it was a style so super long story short they put a show, the show I was on was Chicago deep dish versus Detroit pan versus Cleveland style pizza. So it got recognized. It's, it's definitely a unique style of pizza. And, hmm. um, and, you know, spoil alert, I guess. We'll wait three seconds for you to pause or. I ended up winning the Woo. show. The Cleveland style beat the, the, the Chicago deep dish and the Detroit pan. So. You know, that was a big deal for us. That was a really, really big deal. Put us on the national stage, put us, put us as a legitimate style of pizza. Cool. Yeah, that Neat. was that was a big deal for us. It definitely changed the direction of our business for sure. Yeah. To, so to paraphrase Larry King, uh, how important is the dough? The dough. <laughs> <laughs> the dough is super important. It, it, it makes it, you're judged on the dough. Your dough is is. It's the basis for your pizza, and and it has to be perfect. It has to be right. And there's so many things that affect the dough, like ice cream. You know, it's um, you know, there's there's cultures, there's there's bacterias in there, and it's you're trying to you know, create a perfect environment for that dough, and 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 it's just when you hit it and it's perfect, you're like, oh, it's like hitting a baseball in the sweet spot of the bat. It's it's like, oh God, it's perfect. Yeah, all all of the pizza places that we've most mostly hole in the wall pizza places that we found in Columbus, all of them they have a unique dough, but all all of them I would say I love their dough. And they're all different, but they're all great. You know, I I typically would not go back to a pizza place twice if I if I didn't like the dough. You know, the, the sauce and the toppings you can cha- change those out a mm-hmm. little bit, but the dough is you're right, it's where the heart is. It is. It's the, yeah. the basis of the pizza. All right. So since you gave me a, a year on when you started, I'm going to give you both a pop quiz. This is from uh, Rachel on my shout out design. Uh, if you need marketing stuff, shout it out design. It's, this is just an easy plug. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so Rachel sent me this this morning because I told her I was interviewing you. So uh, let me get the right. June 17th, 1994. Anyone, do you have a reference on why that was a massive, that was a record-breaking pizza-selling day? That was the OJ day. There it is. Yeah. See, Rachel, he knows. Yeah. Yeah. It was. So, so apparently apparently everyone stayed home. They wanted to watch the White Bronco, <laughs> and so they were staying home ordering pizza. I, I never would have <laughs> thought of that. It's crazy to find out what days are the craziest pizza days out there. Like, you know, you know, I, I forgot who I was talking to. I think it was just like last night or the day before. I was saying the pizza industry is so unpredictable. The days you think, oh, I have an easy day today. You know, perfect. I get some stuff done. It, you just get slammed like no one else. And you just, it's just unbelievable. And then days like, oh, it's rainy. It's, you know, no one's going to do anything. Perfect day. We're going to get slammed. You know, we're ready. We'll bring in everybody. And you're like, do the phones even work? Yeah. <laughs> you call the store to make sure the phones are on. Like, what is going on? You just can't predict it. You can't predict it. it it's it's um, 
it, it's just it's a lot of fun. Uh, I like I like that part of the business too, the unpredictable state of of every day. <laughs> you know, you wake up, you don't know what you're gonna get hit with. So it, the challenge gives you different challenges every day. Yeah, that really is the whole restaurant hospitality industry. Uh, definitely, ice cream is the same thing. You know, you you prepare, you think about it ahead of time, you think you know when you're going to be busy, and sometimes you are, and sometimes you're not. And you know, it, it, I'm with you. The surprising days you get caught way short. Yeah, you're going okay. Well, we can do this. Yeah, then yeah. those are yeah. those are memorable days. Yeah, those are days that you build your team up. Mm-hmm. We, my daughter uh, Frankie, just had a, a concert, uh, a band concert the other day, whatever day it was. And everyone, I think, had the same idea of going to get ice cream at the store, this little ice cream mm-hmm. shop, like three doors down. And there was three little, you know, three kids in there working, three girls working in there, and they did a great job. I, I, I want to like write the corporate office because those three kids handled it like pros, but they were not ready for. Because I asked the one kid, I go, I go, were you ready for this? Today? She's like, no, I have no idea what's going on. I'm like, there's a band concert. I go. Mm-hmm. The seventh, the seventh graders are about to wrap up. You might want to. I think you're going to second wind. Yeah. yeah. So it was. It was break. Yeah. yeah. So it was funny. So when you got here, we gave you a little bit of tour, and we're going to give you another, you know, look around when we get we get done. Um, but we, we didn't have just this one location for a time. We had four four other stores, right? Three others. Three others. Two yeah. in Springfield. One mm-hmm. in Enon. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we had other stores in the the 70s and 80s other than this one. So. I always like to hear stories about you when you guys, because you know I remember one of the stores when I was you know this big, but I never remember. I w- certainly didn't work in any of them. So I always get fascinated in hearing stories about how those stores worked, uh, and then how they didn't, obviously, because people wanted to come here to experience everything in one place. But you've got thirteen stores. This is the 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 thing that I've been since we interview or asked you to come on the show. The thing I've been thinking about the most is how how do you manage thirteen stores worth of people making sure every product is consistent every single time. So if I order from this one today or from that one tomorrow, it's the same exact pizza. So that's a great question. I probably get asked that the most uh, out of anything I get asked about that is how you how do you do 13 stores where it's all the same? And I tell people it's it's a process. We just don't open 13 stores. We open one. Then we open two. You know what I'm saying? And, and then as we grow, we find out what, what what's needed. So as we started growing, we learned that some of those critical points that can hurt our consistency was the first thing we noticed was sauce, our pizza sauce. It was almost being made differently in every store because the cooker was a, uh, the cooker was maybe a higher temperature, lower temperature, the amount of power going into it. There's so many factors of it. Water's different. Hmm. So we were, we were, you know, one of my ultimate goals was to have. There's a tomato company called Stanislaw Tomatoes, which is mm. probably our biggest tomato company in the country, and they're the best. They're just I'm not I'm not a spokesman of them or anything, but they're the best tomato company in the country by far. They're the most comparable thing to Italy. Mm. Italy tomatoes are wonderful. They're just the best products you can get, and we use their tomato products, but we make our sauce in house. So one of the things that like I think a lot of people that want to grow their challenges is making sure the sauce is made right every day. So instead of having a commissary you know, we're able because of the volume we have over you know i think it was probably around 10 11 12 stores we were able to have them produce our sauce so i flew out to california made our sauce with them went over the recipe the process everything so we make 60 gallons at a time they make 10,000 cases at a time mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying so so i spent the whole time with them making it and i'm not kidding it was like the third or fourth time it was spot on hmm. to the point where I brought it back and everyone was like, why is this one better than it was just better because it was consistent and it was so fresh and it was so good. And so we had that first critical point, that first point of like of, of issues, if you will, was sauce. So we, you got to break it down. And, and that was our first thing we wanted to tackle before we started, you know, before we got to 20 stores, we had to get this done. Because we cannot be going around store to store. I get excited That's when I right. talk. Oh, yeah. We'll cut that part out. I'm yeah. Italian. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we get, um, you know, you, you, you find those critical points, and the sauce was one. And as we, as we navigated through our growth and we worked with Stanislaus and had our sauce made, that took so much pressure off us making sure 
sauces being done right at every store. Second thing was was um, is is operations, and and I know it's a big general word, but we have you know charts hanging above every line that are the same, and so every pizza, we have to make sure every pizza every time all the time is made the same way, no excuse. So I weigh out if I make a pizza, I'm weighing it out just like you are. If you are. Um, if, 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 you know, the new person making the pizza, we're training them how to make it like I do. We're looking at the chart together. I, you know, our, the corporate team wrote the charts and built, this, built these recipes. I still look at them to check them. You know what I'm saying? And so we have to, like, make sure that we set that standard that every pizza, every time, all the time gets made that way. And that's the, that's the challenge. And those are things we check. So we work with our purveyors to make sure... Our cheese is the same thing with the sauce. It comes in with our recipe ready to go. You know, so they're they're doing the work for us. So we went straight to the manufacturers and said, this is what we want. Here's the volume we do. Can you do it? So when it comes into us, it's ready to go. Um, our sausage is made by a company locally. They make our sausage for us. So it's made the same at every store. Working with those manufacturers is a big deal. And getting those things set up prior to your growth. But you can't do it because you don't have the numbers. So you kind of have to do a little bit of both. You know, you have to give them some proof that you are growing and doing it and have them, you know, partner with you and become your, instead of having one commissary, we have five or six commissaries, if you will. Each of our products are made consistently for us. Our salad dressing, you know, all that stuff is made for us because it's got to have that consistency. If you don't have the consistency, one of the worst things I'll ever hear is this store makes it better than that store. Mm-hmm. Oh, like that's, you know, that's the knife in the heart. <laughs> you know, I don't want to hear that's the worst thing I could hear. But over time, we've definitely like eliminated a lot of those um, challenges because it, it's, it was always with the intent to grow the company. So those were always our goals. So it was easy to, you know, see them, find out what they were and, and start tackling one by one. Also, the um, having an answer to every question. So, and I know it sounds silly. I know it sounds silly, but like if someone asks me how much cheese goes on a medium pepperoni passion, I can go right there. That's how much goes on. They can get the answer without me being there. I know it sounds crazy, but we want to have every answer right at their fingertips. So, um, we have. Also, iPads in every store with our operation manual in it and videos of everything we've done. So if you want to know how to make one of our salads, if you will, you can click salads, click house salad, and watch the video of how it's made. So we're giving them the answer without us being there. And having the solution, you know, the answer to every question is how you can, your best chance of getting consistent um, consistency throughout your your operations, um, and one of the last things is is kind of a little bit of Jedi magic, if you will. <laughs> yeah. So when someone takes an order or a customer orders online, it does not matter what they order. So if they get mushroom sausage pepperoni, okay, it doesn't matter how they key it in. When it prints in our kitchen, it prints in the order that it goes on. So subconsciously, they're looking. Pepperoni, mushroom, sausage. So I got to put pepperoni on, mushroom, and sausage. Little things like that help give you an, uh, an opportunity to have consistency. You know, I, I feel bad for all of our management because you just gave Dan, I don't know, half dozen ideas <laughs> that we're going to have to implement in two weeks before we get too busy. Yeah, and what I hear is someone that really doesn't like to hear as much as I don't like to hear, well, like we, in our bakery. You know, the bread came out different today. Maybe we need to change the recipe. Oh, yeah. And you've heard that before, Michael, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. And I go, no, we don't. We, we just, just need, need to, to follow out, the recipe. <laughs> follow the recipe, maybe figure out what you did wrong. Upon occasion, I bet over the last couple of years, you dealt with some substitutions, yeah. supply chain problems, and so all of a sudden a different product behaves differently. And so you might need to change something a little bit, but it's got to be... I'm guessing your decision. Correct. Yeah. And I love that <clears throat> when you mentioned that you're in there making pizza, you're looking at the reference point about how many ounces of provolone go on or how many slices of pepperoni. 
And, you know, one of the things that always, um, anytime I see it would irritate me is I walk in, we're making something in our bakery or a kitchen, and there's no recipe book open. I go, how do you yeah. know that? Well, I have it memorized. I said, no, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. You will make a mistake. Have the book open for heaven's sakes, please. Yeah, we, we tell everyone, I don't want you to memorize anything. I just want you to know where the answer is. So like when you're in school and you have to take a test and there's no cheating, we want you to cheat. There's cheat sheets everywhere. We put cheat sheets everywhere. We put, we put the answers to the test everywhere you can look. And we put them strategically where that product is usually made. So I, I don't want someone to memorize everything. I don't. I, I don't have time to memorize everything. I, there's no way I can memorize everything. You know, I don't even know where I have to be in an hour. You know, like <laughs> if my phone doesn't ring and tell me where I got to be, I, I, you know, I, I don't expect anyone to memorize anything. I just want you to know where the answer is. And that's why we give them every possible tool to find that answer. And if there is no answer to that question, which happens, call us. We'll figure it out right then and there. We're not perfect. We, we left things out. We've sure. made mistakes. And, but, you know, we have charts everywhere above the pizza lines, above the salad lines, above, you know, we know we have pretty much everything spelled out. And if you need a video, we have a video for it. You can access it immediately. And again, and they know if there's still no answer, call us. Odds are it's in there. It's in there. It's Somewhere. Page, it's on page 17. Just look, look yeah. over there. So, I mean, those are things that you, you know, spent years adapting Correct. to. Yeah, you had an error, then we fixed it. Correct. Another error, then you fixed it. So the, the dirty word in the restaurant industry, COVID, lots of adaptations. John Barker was in here last month saying that the pizza industry didn't have any problems. They, they thrived during COVID, is what he said. But then he, then he retracted that a bit. But. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was so... Getting back to us having our manufacturers create our product, we're about, you know, we were lucky because those products were already made for us. So during COVID, when there's a lot of substitutions happening, we were pretty fortunate because we, we had most of our products. We did get some substitutions. Obviously, we got like, there's a big pepperoni issue, but I know it's crazy. Well, like, I know all, all the weird issues we had just to do, you know, oh, there's a pepperoni issue. <laughs> oh, like the pepperoni was yeah. like unbelievable. Like, how, how, how like I guess uh, how how we were so fragile and you're so close to like <coughs> excuse me, so, so close to major interruptions or one interruption can make a major issue and you know it, it, it's a big deal of like the fragile the fragility of of our industry of what of what can happen with one hiccup, you know, and I don't want to call that a hiccup, but it was a big deal of, of, you know, with COVID. But like, so, you know, we had issues with pepperoni and we had issues with, um, uh, actually our cheese manufacturer had some issues too, but luckily we have the relationship we had where they took care of us and our product because it's special and unique. So we, we, we dealt with all those things. Like I said, what made me realize the fragility of, of our, of our, um, industry and the what do you call it the supply supply chain, chain. Is, yes i mean you know we're one issue away from a major interruption and and it, and it just made me think like boy thank god we had all these items lined up or we would have been in real trouble and and that's you know that's where i think the benefit of having those relationships with your vendors and and your direct manufacturers helped us and again, getting to 13 stores isn't because we got to 13 stores. It's because we got to five, to six, to seven. You know, we weren't like, hey, let's get to, you know, we didn't have one store. We're going to say, let's have 13. It was a process hmm. of getting to 13. And then, you know, one day we're going to look back where we have 30. You know, we're going to say, well, we had 13 at one point. You know, that's, you know, that's where I think people get confused with looking at our company and saying, wow, you guys have 13 locations and, you know, I want to do that. Well, it's not that we said let's have 13 stores. It's the company grew and we were able to keep up with the growth and, and with our team and, and, and having people because it's a people business and we're just involved with pizza. If you don't have the people, you don't have 13 stores. <laughs> you know, if you don't, I'm sitting in this, 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 I don't even know what you call a complex that I'm here, <laughs> I'm here at Young Dairy Complex. 
All I can think of is there has to be a thousand people that work here. You know what I mean? And you know how you know, how do you get so many people to work here and do that? Because I might have I might have thirteen stores, but this is forty stores. You know, it's the same thing. It's just you're growing within your lane, and you know what you need next. You know, and that's what you know how how to how to how you figure it out. Yeah, and during all that uh, supply chain issues, I think the whole industry got caught. I mean, we were all used to, especially now when you order electronically, uh, on your computer, whatever, you click it on and it shows up the next day. Yeah. And we, we got so used to that. And then usually the, big, good, the good bigger suppliers, maybe a 99% fill rate, rarely was anything not there. And so you just got used to that. And all of a sudden it was like rarely that half the things you ordered were there. And I mean, in our case, we didn't have that many special things made for us. And so it was very confusing, but I think, and then right on the heels of that came the inflation that we're all experiencing still. And, and in, and in food service, there were so many things that weren't up 8% or, or 10%. They were up 50% or even a hundred percent and, or more than that, a few of them. And some of them are big items. And so I don't know exactly when it was, a year, maybe a year and a half ago, you, you posted a letter on your website that is basically, Dear Customer, and it was a great explanation as to what's going on, and you say, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, Michael, but it was like, I'm not going to cheapen my product. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, I need to charge what I need to charge for it, and you're going to really enjoy my pizzas, and you're going to be thankful that I stuck with what works and not, you know, trying to skimp on something or reduce the amount of Parmesan or reduce the amount of tomato sauce because all those things are big parts of the cost of that pizza. You know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it because one of the things that when I, I, I get asked to speak here and there at events and stuff, and one of the things I, I one of the about how, how do you run your restaurant, you know, things like that, like, how do you manage your food costs? And one of the things I always say to people, like the crowd, I go, and I'll ask you, what's your favorite restaurant? Um, Yabo's Tacos. And what do you what do you order from there? <laughs> Margarita. <laughs> but yeah, any fish taco. And how much does that cost? Four dollars, four fifty. You don't there? know. No, right? not, not, know. not not exactly. Because you go there because you want it, right? And I tell everyone, and they're like, "Wow, I didn't even think about that." So your, your customers are coming to your place because they love your pizza. And one of the things I cannot stand, and there's a restaurant in, in Cleveland that I used to go to all the time. Um, I love it, still love it, is that when I go there, I want what I want, and I'll pay whatever it is. And one time I went there, it was half the size, half the portion size, and, I, and then I realized how much it cost. I'm like, well, they just cut the portion and raise the price. I, I won't do that. So when that letter, the intent of that letter was to say, you're going to get what you expect. It just, I can't, I have to raise the prices where it might be noticeable. And I gave the examples of our flour used to be eight, $9 a bag. Now it's almost 20, you know, literally $20 a bag for 25 pounds of flour. And I said, you know, a pepperoni went from $80 a case to $160 a case. And I'm not, you know, I, I'll show anyone my invoices. I, is is what it is. I can't, but I'm not going to cut my quality or my size portions or my, um, or uh, you know, the, I'm going to use a flower that's that's less superior than what we serve because it's important. One of the things I say all the time is I feed it to my kids. I'm not going to. It's it's a responsibility of our flowers not bleached. It's not bromated. It, it's enriched. You know, those are things that are important. You know, it's, there's no chemicals in there that are going to hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. I don't. You know, those are cheaper flowers. I'm not going to do that. And, and I want you know I want people to come in and get that pepperoni passion. I want them to get that same pizza every time, and they're not going to know what it costs because they're getting what they want. And I'm not saying like you know, no, there's no gouging or anything, but I'm saying I'm charging what the the formula is, and it had to go up a little bit because inflation is just not stop. It's just not stopping, and we just did another price increase again, and no one said a word because I think they'll notice and say be upset when uh, I'll say two things. They'll be upset when they notice there's a size difference, you know, or or quality difference. But one of the things I wrote, I took that letter and I sent it out an email to our 30,000 plus email subscribers. And I got more responses back saying, 
we support you. We'll be we're going to come more and often now. We you know this this is we're happy you're doing mm-hmm. this because they don't want to lose what they love, and and your customers are are your partners. You want to make sure you're taking care of them. And that's something we talked to John about last month. Was as, as a lot of that because you, you feel as a as a as a consumer of your local restaurants, plural, you, know, you want them to be around on the other end of this. So you know we are supporting them as much as we possibly could. Yeah, you don't you don't want quality to degrade. You don't want to lose the good people that you're used to seeing when you come Correct. in there. So whatever you've got to do, if you've got you got a little bit of extra money in your wallet to to, to spend on that the fish taco went up a dollar, please do it. Support, do it. Support those local restaurants because if you didn't. You know, we saw ten or fifteen percent drop in restaurants uh, over the past two years, which is, I think John said, eight to thirteen percent more than usual. Ugh, I mean, scary. That's just, it's scary. Um, one of the other things that you were talking when we, when we ran into each other at the uh, ORA event last week was um, menu menu engineering, in in talks about COVID and inflation and high costs. Talk talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So when COVID happened, you know, we were in the midst of opening three stores. And uh, I signed a lease for our, our Lakewood store <clears throat> March 9th or whatever, a week before everything shut down. Excuse me. Was it March? When did everything shut March, down? March 15th. Mid-March, yep. Yeah. Yep. Not like I have that date. I know. Seared in my mind. I, I know. I, I'm like, <laughs> I, was, I keep saying March 11th, but it was March 15th. So, you know, we had a totally different operation March 14th than we did March 16th. <laughs> okay. So... We had pastas, salads, dinners, pizzas, wings. We had appetizers. We had all these things going because we had the, the staff. And when COVID happened, you know, a lot of people got scared and left. And a lot of people stayed. And But we definitely had a, a people issue. It was harder to, to, you know, and we were opening three stores we didn't. We weren't getting anyone to, to join those three stores, so we were kind of taking people from other stores, and so it was real thin with help, and and we we're noticing like, you know, there was a, there was a labor issue prior to the pandemic. I don't know if people remember. It was, it wasn't. It was definitely number one issue prior to the pandemic. Yes, and it just accelerated it. The pandemic accelerated it to like light speed. So, the, um. The issue we saw was our people were getting tired, working longer hours, more days, and not just that, but they were working harder in the stores. <clears throat> so we might have had five pizza makers, two people making subs and salads, and like four people answering the phones. Now we have like two or three pizza makers, one sub and salad person, and two people answering the phones. So people are running around doing more. You know what I mean? And we're like, wow, this is, just, you know, we were in the stores too. We made a commitment. We're like, if we're going to, if we're going to be open, we're going to be here with you guys like every day. So we were constantly in the stores and we were noticing it like, wow, everyone's like burned out, like not tired, but they're burned out. And <clears throat> so we're like, how do we make this easier for our team? How do we make this, how do we make this to a point where it's, it's not as Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not as like tasking and not such a burden on these our team. It was it was eating us alive because we were coming home. We were exhausted. I mean, you're just mentally, emotionally, and physically exhausted every night. You come home and you're just like watching a rerun of whatever, and you're not even you're just looking through the TV, you know. And uh, so we we're like, how do we? So we're like, we we got this crazy talk one day in the office. We're, like, we're going to eliminate subs. We're gonna eliminate that whole station. We're like, no, we can't do that. No, no, no. We're like, that's ridiculous. That's crazy. You know, we had subs our whole career. So we're like, all right, let's keep the top two subs then, top three, and we did. Okay, we got rid of everything else, and then we noticed we're like, okay, well they're still buying the same amount of subs, but they're only buying three of them. You know, we're like, okay, all right, maybe maybe we're not nuts. We did the same thing with our salads, and we got rid of pastas. Actually, just cut them off the menu, and we're like, okay, our sales are are better, or you know, we're just as good, if not better. We're like, well, what if we get rid of subs totally, and we cut off all the subs, and we're like, oh man, this is huge. Like this, you know, people are gonna go nuts, and no one did, no one complained. I mean, a couple people here and there, like, sure, oh, you know, but overall, it was like 
they understood what we were doing and it was making it easier for our team. So, for example, if someone ordered three large pizzas, two, a large salad, and two subs, maybe the pizzas and salads are done and someone walks in and they're waiting. They see their food sitting there and they're waiting on two subs because no one had a chance to run over to that empty station and make those subs. So the guy's like, well, that's my order, right? And we're like, yeah, we're just finishing your subs and someone's making them. We found out we were hurting customer expectations. Someone was coming in waiting for everything to be ready, and it wasn't. So we're like, it's a customer expectation game. They call. They want their food ready in 20, 30 minutes. They walk up. They see it's ready. It's a win. We call it winning an order. We were losing orders. You know, It wasn't a win because they had to wait for their food. So we're like, okay, let's get rid of subs, get rid of salads other than just one size salad. Let's get rid of pastas. Let's get rid of all the dinners, and let's just have pizzas. One salad and some wings. And, and it, you know, we're like, this is working great. And all of a sudden, sales are up. Cause, you know, people are less stressed because, you know, less burden. They're still just at their station, not running around. We, we shifted most of our ordering to online by, you know, a creative message we did by saying, you know, before you call, we put a message on and said, you know, hey, we're, we're jamming here with some pizzas. Uh, please hold. We'll get to you shortly. Hey, if you're interested, order online and save 25% off your first order online of pizzas and salads with the code word easy. And you can see like, the phones hang up and they Just order hang up. online. <laughs> yeah. And that has shifted so many people to online now to the point where we really don't have anyone answering phones because it's all online. And um, these are all things that took time to do, but we had to commit to them. You know, these just weren't ideas. They, we were like, we have to follow through because if this is what we want to do, we have to do it. So we literally got rid of everything, and we have pizzas, um, Parmesan bites, we call them, like little garlic knots, wings, and one-size salad. And sales are up, I think, because we're hitting customer expectations. They, they order, they walk in, it's done, and they walk out the door. And I think that's a win. And that's you got to find what you're good at, stay in that lane, and just execute it. And just execute it. It's stuff like that that makes me confused in how Cheesecake Factory survives. I don't understand. It's like, I don't either. It's I an encyclopedia of menu options. I mean, how do you how do you literally have all that product back there I, I, and the staff to make it? I don't understand that. You know, I, th- I think I think it might be... <laughs> I don't know, like... Because I know it's funny you said that because there's this one pasta dish. It's like the shrimp pasta with like garlic and whatever. And there's like a, another one that's a little bit different. I mean, I bet you it's the same dish, the same. They're just sending it. Out. Sure. I, I, there's no way. Different name. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't understand. When you're a, when you're a restaurateur, you can look <clears throat> at a menu like that and say, "Oh, okay, this bit is in all these things," and so that makes sense. But it's just, I mean, I I wouldn't have the time to go through their entire menu to figure those things out. So it's just, it's it's crazy. I don't understand. And and like, you know, I I, I believe COVID also. Uh, brought out or accelerated the third party delivery system and, and, and DoorDash and Uber Eats and all that. And I feel like people aren't ordering like how they used to. For example, like, all right, we're, tonight's pizza night. We're going to get pizza from Master Pizza. I'm ordering blah, blah, blah. Tonight, they're going to go, what do you want? What do you want? All right, I'll get that from here. What do you want? I'll get that from here. And here's what I'm going to get. And it all comes together. Because, you know, they're all ordering. They can get what Different they want. Different stuff. What they want, mm-hmm. when they want. And I feel like, you know, like that's... that The, the, the name of the restaurant, or the, the game has changed. The game has changed. And we got to adapt to the new rules and figure it out. So what we figured out was let's... We can't... My sub will not win against Debellas. That's a loss. Value, product. Debellas makes great subs. The bread is fantastic. Everything's awesome. Panera, we're not going to beat their salads. A lot of our stores are next to these type of places. But they won't beat us in pizza. So we got to find where we win all the time and just put go all in on it. And that's what we did. You know, no one will beat us in pizza, we believe, but you know, we'll we'll have we'll have that fight every day. We'll 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 do that one every day. That's awesome. That's great. So tell me one of the more craziest types of pizza or toppings that you thought was really going to go well <laughs> that, and didn't. Oh, boy. Well, the craziest pizza topping I ever ate. Yeah. I'll tell you two sure. of them. Sure. <laughs> tell me that. Let yeah. me start there. Yeah. Because the, the first one I was in, 
I was in um, Sweden. I was a judge for a pizza competition. And I ate reindeer. And all I could think of was like, Santa's going to be so mad. Oh, me. man. Yeah. Nothing for you. <laughs> I know. That's all I could think of was like, no gifts for me. Like, and, and, but I ate reindeer and it was actually, it was really good. And the second thing I ate that was crazy, I was in Shanghai, China. And I ate, uh, what do they call it? Um, oh, boy. It, it, a sea slug. Oh. Exactly. Oh, boy. It was exactly that reaction. It was terrible. And durian. Did you ever have durian or hear I've it? heard of it. It smells like garbage. Yeah, yeah. It literally smells like garbage. But I had that on a pizza with mayonnaise. And if anyone knows me, I, I loathe mayonnaise. Oh, I can't yeah. stand it. Yeah. So I had durian and mayonnaise on it. But I ate it because you're a guest, you know. And yeah. But the sea slug was definitely the sea slug, durian, and <clears throat> reindeer was definitely the craziest toppings ever had on a pizza. Are you pro or con Hawaiian pizza? I'm pro. Okay. Listen, good for you. people, yeah. people want it. Inclusivity. Yeah, they it. want it. I'm going to make it for them, you know? <laughs> sure. Uh, so the craziest topping I ever put on a pizza that never, that didn't do well, I did. Um, so I made a pizza for a competition and I, I did oranges. It was my main ingredient. And what I did was I infused olive oil with orange juice and let it sit for like a couple weeks and just mm. kind of infuse this olive oil. Then I put um, oranges on there and I fried the orange peels and I put them on top of this crunchy orange peel. It was, either some people loved it. Some people were like, what is this? You know, but it was the craziest one I ever did. It was, I think, the orange fried orange peel. I thought it was fun. At the That's, very least, it sounds interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I am a fan of really odd things. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure about the sea slug thing, but yeah. the uh, I like what you just said. I mean, last year we did a flavor of ice cream. It was rosemary, pine nut, cheese curd ice cream. Oh, man. Yeah. It's not going to replace vanilla. <laughs> All right? <laughs> no. But it's fun to try some other things that some people really like. Most people don't. Yeah. But that's, I mean, I, I always feel that there there are guests you know there's a certain percentage that always want to try something new and it's always fun to put something out there that's something new and give them a, you know an opportunity to have something other than mint chip or strawberry or whatever uh, so that's fun yeah that, that would be interesting what is it rosemary rosemary pine nut uh, cheese curd and also put some olive oil on there that sounds really good it actually was but <laughs> yeah. once again I wouldn't take it over vanilla no. for very long but it's a good it's a neat thing to try every once in a while yeah what's yeah. this year's dill garlic? dill garlic butter yeah <laughs> funny funny side story i uh used uh chat gpt to help us fluff up our ice cream descriptions yeah and it did a great job on most of them i had to reword some things i asked it to do a description of that flavor and it came back with I don't think you meant to type these things in. These ingredients aren't <laughs> typically. Found. I would have put that on the menu. I would have used that description. I, I almost did. I, I showed him just to irritate him, but I, that was a, it was because like I don't think you these ice cream or these ingredients aren't typically found in ice cream. And I said, I, I responded to it like it was a person. I said, I realize it's unusual, but please give me a description anyway. And it gave me a, a good description, but it was just funny. I was like, no, 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 you didn't. <laughs> yeah, you didn't mean to type those things in. Typo. Yeah, I did. That's great. <laughs> Um, do you do you talk about your celiacs publicly? Yes. Okay, I didn't yeah. want to, I didn't want to ask it if you weren't okay. So I heard you mention this. I think one of the first times I met you talking about how you know this is your passion. Yeah. And ninety percent of your product you can't eat. Yeah. Tell me how that. Um, at what point in your diagnosis of that did you say okay I need to open up my menu to people like me? So <clears throat> I was diagnosed with celiacs. I. Uh, went into the doctors, I wasn't feeling well, and I went for a blood test for allergens. And the doctor came back, she's like, listen, I've seen celiac, and you are on this side of the spectrum. I've never seen anything like this before. And it makes sense. I've been up my whole life in making dough and being around it and whatever. I, it, it, was a, it was a blow, man. It hurt because that's my life. So <clears throat> I didn't believe it at first, uh, so I just kept eating it. I'm like, well, I feel the same. But it's funny when I stopped eating it and I noticed the differences. And then when I ate it again, how sick I got. And I'm like, okay, this is real. To the point where being like, well, did I have the flu? Are you sure it's just trying to justify it? Yeah. So I did it again. I did the test again. And sure enough, it was the same exact reaction. So long story short, I was, um, I forgot what year it was. I forgot how long, but I'm like, well, I got, maybe we should start looking at the gluten free products. And at the time, it really wasn't like 
as mainstream as it is now. So I I ordered these frozen shells. I'm like, these are awful. I won't I won't put this on my menu. First of all, it's frozen. Second of all, it's like it just is so bad. I don't even want to. I don't want to even. I don't even put my name on it. So I'm like, well, if we're gonna do this, you know, as some time passed, if we're gonna do this, let's do it right. So we researched some flour. We searched researched some uh, opportunities of making your own gluten free products. So I found this flour. It's a flour company I'm familiar with out of Italy. It's called Caputo Flour. They make this gluten free flour. It's from Naples, Italy. And it's like, it's like magic. Hmm. And, and it took us a while to f- learn the process, how to work with it. It's not like dough. It's more like cake batter, you know, cake frosting. Mm-hmm. It's really weird. But we figured it out. We came up with our own adjustments. We, and we worked with a lot of people that m- used the product, some very high-end pizza makers across the country. We went and worked with them, and Jay showed us some ideas and tricks. And we added our own little twist to it, and we came up with, a, a Detroit style gluten free dough. And it's pretty thick and it was different than anything else out there. And everyone's like, well, you can't do it, mass produce it. And we're like, now we have to because you said we couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you know, that's the type of people we are. And so we figured it out and we, you know, we sat down and we said, look, if we're going to do this, we got to commit to this because this is, this is now we're creating a job for ourselves. So we, um, we started it. We started making it overnight. We were making the dough overnight. We've got a kitchen and make sure it's dedicated, clean, and and because uh, we have to cook them, let them rise, par bake them, and then freeze them. Mm. It's a big process and it's a very specific process. So we're making, I think, like thirty six shells a night, fifty shells a night, whatever it was. And now we're making about a thousand a week. Wow, and. Now we're doing. We have a team of people doing it. We we make them on Mondays. We we make about fifteen cases of flour uh, every Monday, and it's it's a big process now. And my hand touches every single one of them, and I feel like you know it's something we committed to, and, and it's the best thing we ever did. It opened up a whole lane of opportunity for us, and we we're kind of like the leader of gluten free and allergen pizzas because the story, my story, I'm an owner of a pizza company. I can't have pizza, but I'm going to make sure we have the best gluten-free pizza you've ever had. And it's funny. Now we have gluten-free breadsticks. We have gluten-free uh, pizzas, two different styles, three different styles of pizzas with gluten-free. And it's really developed into like uh, a lot of the people that are in that community are where their number one go-to. So we're really excelled in um, the figuring out the process of that. It's always about a process for us. How do we, can we do this? And one thing I want to step back and maybe talk about too is our mentality we have in our company. We call it a 100-store mentality. And when you, when you talk about the 13 stores, one of the things we say is, how do we do this at 100? So we have to answer that question before we do anything. So when we said, like, if we're going to do gluten-free dough, well, how do we do it if we have 100 stores? We just can't do it where we... When we first started, we were driving them around, dropping them off in our, you know, our cars. They were like, this isn't going to work. We either got to figure out how we could do this at 100 stores or we can't do it at all. So we called our, our vendor and we said, listen, can you pick them up from us, our freezer, put them in your freezer? And when a store calls, they want you know, 10 bags of flour, 10 cases of cheese and five cases of gluten-free Detroits. And they said, of course, we'll do that for you guys. So that's how we got to do this for a 100 store mentality. So we had to load them up with a lot of product and, and now they could keep up with whoever orders whenever they order it. So it's, it's, it's turned into a huge piece of our operation and a great story because the owner of the company can't have pizza, but I make the best gluten-free you'll ever have. And I'm pretty confident saying that because a lot of people say that, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. and I'm not bragging. I'm just saying it's, it's something we put a lot of pride into a lot of pride. Yeah, thank you for sharing. I I heard you talk about it. And I would I I should have asked you before if you were okay with talking oh, yeah. about it. But I mean that's such an amazing story. A because it's personal to you. Yeah. Um. But B, I, I n- no one in my circle has gluten issues, so I don't know what it's like dealing with it. But I know enough people outside of my circle that do, and it's um I I know that when they talk about things of, you know, uh I had you know this is how I have to eat. It's never it's never good. No, and that's one of the things I didn't want to put. 
something on there. It's like, you know, we talked about quality before and consistency. Like, I didn't want to put something on there that was, like, not to our brand, our standard. And I think, like, I feel like it's important for us to to keep our, our, our same mindset with whatever we bring into the operation. You know, you, you've got 13 locations like we've talked about. You're a busy guy running this brand. How, how do you manage work plus work plus work and life balance? You know, I, I, I probably have to thank iCal for that. Uh, <laughs> Apple calendar, <laughs> you know, ah, keeps me working. Shout out to Tim Cook. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, uh, I, you know, I'll never forget when I was in college. This one, the only thing I ever learned in college, and, and it's funny. <laughs> well, I, back in the day, my dad, when I was in college, uh, my dad would talk to his friends, and his friends would be like, "Hey, my 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 son's about to finish. He's going to be an accountant." And one guy's like, "My my kid's going to be a, a a lawyer. My kid's going to be a doctor." And my dad said, "Well, my son." He has a double major. He took up time and space in college. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound familiar. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> the one thing I learned in college, I guess, and uh, and to be fair, the first college introductory course I took was, a, you know, they teach you about college, and the guy said, the only thing you should learn from college is time management. So in fairness, uh, I did learn what I was set there to learn. <laughs> but uh, I, I feel like, you know, one of the things I used to do is I used to work from out of my house. I had an office in my, my house. I used to work, and I find myself always, like, working, finding an excuse to work and, and not knowing when to stop. So I got an office, and, uh, and I kind of dedicated. When I'm at work, I'm work. But when I'm home, I'm home. You know, I try my best to, to satisfy those things. But, you know, it doesn't always work that way, but... I feel like most of the time I, I could satisfy that because when I'm home, you know, I'm focused on my kids, my, my, my family, my girls. Like I really want to make sure they're the center of my attention. Yeah, sure, we get a phone call and here and there, but the other guys on my team have young families too, so we're all kind of like, you know, I'll call you if something's on fire, but if not, I'll call you after the kids go to bed and we'll get some stuff done. So, you know, we, we kind of just have to be, you know, when, when I brought someone onto our team, one of the things I do talk about is, you know, this is our life. This is how we provide for our family. It's the number one thing, but also we have to be there for our families. And we all kind of work well together. Hey, my kid has a, a concert tonight. I, I need my phone off. Can you guys handle all the calls? Forward it to me. That's what we say. Forward it to me. So I can focus and be with my kids. And, you know, the night that his, his you know, one of my guys, their kid has a concert or whatever, give me your calls. Forward it to me. We'll take care of it. You know, you have to build a team where you allow, I don't say allow, but you allow them to be who they are and let them make the decisions they make. And whatever the decision is, we have to live with. You know, if I'm going to say I'm going to be with my family today, here are the keys, you know, you you have to trust them and believe that they're going to make the right decision. If not, we'll fix it. But the, the team we have, I believe they can make the right decision all the time, probably more than me, more mm-hmm. consistently better than me. So I feel comfortable balancing. When I'm with my family, I try to really be with my family. And when I'm with my, my work, I, I know everything's great at home. You know, I'm not, I don't have to worry about home. So, you, you know, you got to put a lot of trust in everybody and, and make sure everything gets done. Um, you know, the GMs in the stores, the leadership we develop, they're going to make those decisions. We, you know, we allow them to be who they are and make those decisions. And I feel like that gives you the best chance to, grow and develop more stores and more, you know, develop your team, but also um, give you that opportunity to spend the day with your family on, you know, on a Sunday. You know, Sunday I'm, is my day. I don't, I don't look at my phone. You said something when we, we ran into each other at the ORA event the other day. It was, you just said it in passing, but it was so sweet. You were in Italy with the, the U.S. pizza team, which, uh-huh. by the way, I need to figure out how I can come along <laughs> and just be a sampler, but we'll get to that later. Um, that you said, you know, you told your wife, if they need to call me at any time, my yeah. phone is on. Yeah. Even though that's a s- six, right? Six hour difference? Six yeah. hour. Yeah, six hour difference. It's like, whatever. <coughs> they need to call me and it's three in the morning there. Uh, fine. Yeah, the phone matter. will ring. Yeah. That's just, I mean, my daughter's eight. She doesn't have a phone yet. So she's not calling me yet. But I think that's just such a sweet mentality to say family first yeah. and then business. And it's also with all your operators, it's, you know, it's, it's a two way street. 
you know, my family is important to me as the boss, but I also know that your family is important to you. Correct. So when I need time off, you're on. Correct. When you need time off, I'm, I'm on. on. Yeah. Exactly. It's how it works. And yeah. that's how we try our best to make it work. Yeah. It's not, nothing's perfect. Nothing's foolproof. But we try our best to, you know, hey, give me, forward your calls to me. That's what we say. Forward your calls to me. You know, or if I'm with whatever, whatever the situation is, you know, hey, I, I need this night off. I know it's a Friday, but I need this off. Can you guys step up for me? The answer is always yes. You know, we, 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 we really know, we really value each other's families and understand like, hey, it's important for you to be there. We'll make sure you're covered. And, and we really work hard on that. Yeah, that, that phone call is the truth. You know, I want my kids always to know that I'm always there whenever. That should never be, it should never be, he can't answer the phone. They know they can call me anytime and they do. Yeah. That's fine. And <laughs> not right now. They're behind us calling right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She is right she's, now. she's testing. <laughs> All right. So um, you, uh, I, I love the hundreds for mentality thing too. And I'm glad you just brought that up in another question, but. Uh, we'll close with what is the future for you and Master Pizza? Is it a hundred stores? You said thirty, then you also yeah. said a hundred. So which so one is it? It's a hundred <laughs> store mentality. So our <laughs> our goal is to keep growing, keep pushing the envelope, keep being on the the for the forefront of of this industry, and really pushing uh, the boundaries of what we can do and the people we have within the company. If we have the people and they're willing to to do this with us, we'll keep going. Uh, we're going to keep pushing it. We're going to we're going to um, at the end of the day, we, we call ourselves a leadership company. And, and what I want everyone in our company to be is a better version of themselves at some point when we get our hands on them. Before they started with us, I want them to be a better version of themselves after. And I look at ourselves, as if, if like the mentality also is, you know, the future of Master Pizza is, I look at it, it as it was here before me. We're just a steward of it now. If we do things right, we're just a steward of it. And then hopefully someone could take it further than we ever did if we do things right. And that's the mentality we have is, you know, I look at your company, your, your, your generation, fourth, gener- fourth generation, fourth generation doing this. Fifth generation starting pretty soon. Like, that's the same goal I have. You're doing what I think is the ultimate American dream. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like that is a goal that I would love to have. You know, is one day my kids, you know, my girls back there and telling me what to do. <laughs> you know, like I remember my dad, you know, started all doing all this and my dad would be teaching me everything. My dad used to say to me, every day I take a step back and you take a step forward. And one day we're going to cross and we're not going to know what day that is, but we're going to do that. I hope one day my kids, that's you know, be a dream of mine if they're here doing this with me. And, and one day they're, you know, grabbing the steering wheel and. And, and taking control of the car and driving it forward and taking it to places I thought I could never take it, you know, and, and our team. And, and I feel like our, our future is hopefully in someone's hands right now that is really young that they'll understand it. <laughs> and we want to have them, I'll give them a very good opportunity to, to expand on it. I'm 41. I haven't got to tell my dad what to do yet. So maybe tomorrow will be that day. You know what? I, I, I hope it's 100 years from now. <laughs> All right, Michael, thank you. Uh, absolutely wonderful to talk to you, as always. But this is a great conversation. Thank you for joining us. Thank you guys for having us. I, this is a great place to visit. I, got, I, I can't wait to go run around here. The sun's, <laughs> sun's breaking out. Sun's I, coming out, man. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Thank guys, you, thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Sunday Chat with the Young. Find out more about Young's Jersey Dairy and be sure to catch up on all of our episodes at youngsdairy.com. See you soon!